0: For some people, feeling like sex is removed from a relationship can then get tied to those insecurities. However, like I've, it's been years since I talked about this, but in one of the relationships where this happened, um, the term that we came up with, just having a term for it kind of helped her feel better about it was... Mm. Um, taking friends with benefits and we called it friends with a full benefits package because (laughs) it's like we were you know affectionate would cuddle would go on dates you know all of that kind of stuff but there wasn't like this physical sexual type intimacy even though we would still cuddle and be close with each other and things like that and so that just having a silly term for it kind Mm -hmm. of helped that to not feel like oh well then this is nothing now Today, we're covering a wide range of great questions from trying to stay friends after a breakup to dealing with fading NRE and falling out of love or creative ways to satisfy your touch needs in long-distance relationships. We love getting to answer your questions on these episodes. So thank you to everyone who submitted these and we look forward to getting more next month.
1: All right, everyone, let's start off our first question with a little bit of... Love languages. Somebody asked if you and your long distance partner's primary love language is physical touch. What are some creative ways to help each other meet that need? And they gave this little caveat by long distance. I mean, more than one time zone apart slash in a thruple with an ocean slash seeing each other requires a lot of planning type long type of long distance.
0: Yeah, I see. Now I'm I'm trying to figure out is this, you alternatingly have these different types of long distance relationship, or do they just mean kind of generally speaking? We're talking far enough mm-hmm. apart that it's not like an hour drive, but
1: yeah, I can't drive there's down an to ocean the weekend. or a
0: time zone or whatever, or a time
1: right? zone. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I think that that's what they mean. Okay, okay. Mean okay. By that for sure. Got it, even a time zone that's a you know, that does take some planning, significant mm-hmm. for sure, unless you the live first thing- right
0: on that line but yes (laughs) okay
1: right (laughs) you just step across the line and you're like i'm in another time zone wow no the the very first thing i thought of with this is to kind of create some anticipation for when it is that you are going to actually get to see that person like i can't wait to brush your hair Mm -hmm. i can't wait to give you a Mm -hmm. massage i can't wait to put your genitals in my mouth like whatever it <laughs> might be you know uh-huh. wow something along yeah. those lines
2: real sexy real sexy I'm, yeah i'm exactly. still really stuck
0: on imagining someone brushing my hair it sounds wonderful it sounds
2: really nice yeah. yeah i i'm not
1: gonna lie my partner my partner brushes my hair from time to time and it sounds great, great. yeah, it's, sound so great. Great. <laughs> yeah. yeah mm-hmm. it's so great yeah yeah it's <laughs> so great so something along those lines okay. I, I don't know that this is a tough one because yeah you don't get that physical touch from another person. And let me tell you, like after a long period of time, when I was in uh, Asia, this didn't happen as much this contract, but yeah, being in Asia, like not having a significant other there for two and a half, three months, Mm -hmm. it was tough. I'm like, somebody please touch me. God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. So I think that there's a whole spectrum of, Getting other people to touch your partner. And what I mean by that is that, is like on one end of the spectrum, is something like maybe if like I'll buy you a massage or something, Mm. right? Or, you know, like something like that, all the way up to the spectrum of like maybe both or one of you are actually interested in platonic cuddling or going to a cuddle party or things like that, all the way up to like you have other partnerships where you're getting yeah. those physical touch needs met as well. And I know it's not the same, right? It's not a one-to-one replacement. It's not like flattening all the relationships and saying, oh, whatever, you have someone to touch. And so it's fine, right? It, of course, like you want to touch your partner, you know, there's something particular and juicy about that. But I think it's on that nervous system level of just getting the touch at all, I do think can help to stave off some of those particular feelings. Oh, for sure. You know, that longing. Yeah.
0: I think when it comes to long-distance relationships and touch, there's kind of two parts. There's one is if your primary love language is touch, it probably just means you have that need for touch, which goes Mm -hmm. along with what Dedeker was talking about of finding other ways for that through cuddling or massage or something just to kind of have your base level needs for touch fulfilled and same for your partner, encouraging them to do that or, or offering that to them as a gift or something. But then I think the other part of it is with a love language, a physical touch, there's also that this is how I show my affection or how I feel loved. And so that's the one where we have to get a little creative with long distance. And so a couple things that come to mind with this. So one is that I find that sometimes the physical touch can be communicated through sending pictures to each other as well, Mm. because it's, you know, our brains see the picture of the person as if they were close to us. And so we get a little bit of that feeling of like the closeness of that intimacy by sharing more pictures, right? Like more selfies, just, you know, basic stuff doesn't have to be anything super fancy, but just, hey, you know, thinking of you, maybe recording little short video clips for each other, you know, use an app like Marco Polo or send, mm-hmm. you know, video clips through Messenger or however you want to send those, right? Um, something to get a little bit of that feeling of being close, even if you can't touch, touch. And then the other one that came to mind is consider experimenting with recording like ASMR type stuff for each other.
1: Oh, have you done this for each other?
0: I've not, but it sounds like a fun thing to try. So is that
1: going to be? Is it? Does it feel tactile in some way?
0: Well, so that's the idea. For the people who really react to ASMR, mm. they hear certain types of sounds, and it is like a physical sensation that they feel, oh. like a tingling, and like like oh gosh, Ooh. I feel all tingly hearing someone you know whispering into a microphone close in their ear, or. Uh, you know the sound of like crunching clay or cutting mm. a bar of soap, or right there's like all sorts of different things wow. you can do and you know you record it up real close and you know the you get that really kind of intimate close sound to the thing. And so I think the version of this, if you don't have a fancy microphone or professional recording equipment or anything like that, is just recording videos for each other or even just audio where you are very close to your phone that you're recording it on hmm. so that instead of that kind of, Oh, Hey, I'm recording my Instagram. You know, I'm holding my phone away from me and you've got, you've got to project your voice a little bit. It's more of that. Hey, you know, just want to let you know I was thinking of you and I love cuddling you and kind of talking about those things. But in this much more, I'm um, close to the microphone intimate, intimate kind of way might help get some of those feelings of affection you get from physical touch without actually touching.
2: I know for some people, and I think this goes along with the ASMR thing, that for some people, sharing a sensory experience together mm. at the same time or, or close to the same time or whatever can help some folks. So it could be something like we're going to take a bath together at the same time, you know, in our separate locations, but like, maybe I'll set up my laptop in a dry place and we'll just like chat or like, you know, I don't know, share a glass of wine in the bath or whatever, you know, that it's kind of like we put both of our bodies through the same sensory experience. Or if it's like, there's a particular blanket we both Mm. have that I'm going to cuddle Mm -hmm. up in, or you're going to cuddle up in. Um, I'm a big fan of the exchanging articles of clothing that smell like the other person to get a little bit of that, you know, like if you want to sleep in your partner's shirt or cuddle with or stuff like that, like, you know, of course, none of these are going to be the replacement for the real thing. But I do think these are some of those things, again, that can help to recreate that sense of closeness, maybe recreate some of the sensations that you would be getting, maybe kind of trick your brain a little bit into doing that little bit of, you know, all the good, happy chemicals release that it would get if you were actually there being held by your partner.
1: I'm wearing a sweater that I wore a lot when I was with the two of you in Japan, uh-huh. and when I put it on this morning, I was like, it smells like the apartment that we stayed in, and I it hope reminded that was me. An oh. Okay, smell. <laughs> yeah. No, it was fine. It just it was distinct. Like you know, uh-huh. smells are, are uh, they trigger a certain part of the brain, and it was very mm. much a thing where I was like, this feels like I'm there again, Aww. you know, and mm. that's really cool because mm-hmm. that makes you feel closer to the person I think if if there is a distinct scent or something that reminds Mm. you of even if it's not necessarily the person specifically but a thing that the two of you shared together Mm. a place Mm -hmm. or a scent
2: that evokes a memory for example Mm -hmm. I love that yeah okay let's move on to our next question here my partner of four and a half years is leaving me to be monogamous with someone he just met we want to still be in each other's lives in a meaningful way, but the situation hurts a lot, and a lot of my good old insecurities about not being good enough are coming up. Do you have advice for dealing with these kinds of insecurities and de-escalating a relationship in general? Well, I, my Whoa. first reaction right out the gate just like, "Oof, oof, yeah. oof, oof, oof." Yeah. I've been yeah. there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So painful. We've all been there. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> so painful. Good Lord. Good Lord. Uh, I don't know. I mean, based on my own experience, I'm just like, you don't have to be in each other's lives in a meaningful way, at least not right at this very second. You know, I do think that in the non-monogamous community, uh, this isn't necessarily a bad thing, but I do think a lot of us are like, uh, the mark of being a good polyamorous person and being really stable and mature is being able to, De-escalate into friendship right away and we just carry on as though nothing ever changed and and it's great and it all feels good and we just love each other so much and it doesn't matter when like it does matter you know it does matter it's okay that a relationship changes and if you're not ready for it to be a friendship or you're not ready to be in each other's lives or if it's too painful to be in each other's lives it doesn't mean that you're emotionally stunted or emotionally immature or that you're doing the wrong thing
0: I think this shows up, I know I saw this in my own life, even before I knew about non-monogamy. There's that idea of, oh, well, a really evolved, mature person does just make that transition from we're dating and now we're friends and that somehow staying friends is better. Or, you know, you've you've won the game somehow if you're able to do that. And yeah, I've definitely seen myself and many other people put themselves through really struggling to have that relationship that's so different that feels just constantly unsatisfying or awkward or unsure and so while it's certainly possible to do it is hard especially if there's a lot of pain there and it's not something that feels like okay yeah our relationships just kind of naturally de-escalated itself to this point and we're just now kind of officially transitioning it but when it is that we're taking away something from this relationship for a, for some kind of external reason, right? Like in this Mm -hmm. case, wanting to be monogamous with this other person. And that's not to say that it's 100% external from your relationship, but it's, I think going to feel a little more painful and a harder transition to make, especially if you were not interested in making that. So I would say it doesn't have to be cut this person out entirely but to give yourself some time and realize that it might take a year or two, you know, it's not to say you've never talked to them during that two years, but it might take some time to feel comfortable and for that to feel good again. So don't rush to trying to have that be your relationship right away.
1: Yeah. I mean, I just want to acknowledge like four and a half years, uh, in, in that relationship, that amount of time, it's not trivial. Mm-hmm. And that, that, is really intense and i think um you know i mean i've been maybe on the side of leaving people for monogamy maybe the two people i'm talking (laughs) on a podcast with right now um you know it in a in essence um but it it does you know we didn't really have the luxury of like truly being separate from one another Mm. um but there are pros to in cons to that i think um there's a lot of, it, it, we, we just sort of had to deal with it and figure it out, but maybe that time spent away would have been beneficial and, and healed wounds faster, perhaps. Hmm. And there is yeah. something to be said for that. So just acknowledge the fact that like that's a long period of time to be in a certain state with someone and then be thrust out of it. And there's going to be a lot of emotion there for sure.
2: I wanted to speak to the insecurities part of this question. This person said, I'm having all these old insecurities about not being good enough Mm. coming up. And I think that ultimately when it comes to like a, a breakup or a sudden breakup that, yeah, of course we talked about this on the heartbreak and recovery episode a while ago that, you know, the brain really goes into overdrive trying to figure out why did this happen? How did this happen? How can I prevent this from happening again? And it's really easy to drum up those insecurities, right? Of like, oh, I wasn't X, Y, and Z enough. I didn't communicate enough. I didn't try hard enough. I I wasn't attractive enough or I, I didn't offer these things. You know, a lot of that can come up. And I think that really though, at the end of the day, you know, the way that someone ends a relationship with you or breaks up with you says more about them than it does about you And that isn't Mm -hmm. to say that you should never take any responsibility for the way our relationship ends, or you should never examine that. I just don't think that right now is a good time for examining that, right? You know, so I don't know. I, I think that it's in a vulnerable time like this, it's good to, you know, surround yourself with people who love you and who care about you hopefully people who are willing to like talk you up but not necessarily have to couple it with like talking down your ex sure you know especially if there's someone you still want to keep in your life you know Mm -hmm. so people who can just offer you love and who can remind you how badass you are you know and just constantly kind of fill you up with that good stuff to help drown out some of those really loud voices of insecurities and then more of like the analysis of like, how did this happen and what does this mean? And does this mean something about me that can all happen later when you're maybe in a little bit less of an emotionally vulnerable state.
1: I don't want to add insult to injury, but this immediately made me think of if somebody is in a non-monogamous relationship and then turns to a an monogamous relationship, there may be a moment at which that new partner says I don't want you to be a part of that person's life anymore and Mm. there may be decisions that have to be made by that person and they may not be the decisions that you necessarily want meaning that person may decide that they don't want to be a part of your life anymore and so that is I think another part of this and hopefully that won't be the case but I guess my mind went to that because we've all definitely been in situations where we've had ultimatums thrown in people Mm -hmm. saying things like, I don't want that person in your life anymore because they're insecure.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point that that is something to watch out for. Um, But definitely something worth... But that's not about you. It's not about you. That's not
1: your that's not your problem. Like it, it may become your problem, but it's not
0: your fault. And that is something so that you could talk to this former partner about just sure. if if that comes up to kind of clarify, Hey, that seems <laughs> shitty, right? You know, maybe find a better <laughs> way to say that, but to say like, Hey, that's for your partner to dictate who you're friends with. Yeah. Even if we're respecting your desire to be monogamous with this person, like that seems a little troubling and if they still decide to just cut you out of their life entirely because of what that person says i know this sounds harsh and is easier said than done but then maybe they weren't really a very good friend to begin with mm. and wouldn't be a very good friend if they're willing to cut you out for the sake of just because someone else told them to
1: yeah
2: this is a little bit of getting ahead though because I, I think that yeah with this there's there's kind of carrying the assumption that if this person has chosen to be monogamous with a partner they're also choosing a lot of the super traditional monogamy values which maybe they do or maybe they don't right mm-hmm. you know right because yeah unfortunately there's a little bit of the package deal often with traditional monogamous relationships is maybe this implied what unspoken rule that like you don't stay friends, friends with, with your, your ex or yeah. especially your most right. recent ex or what you know i don't know we don't know the details of this situation yeah. so maybe that's a part of this maybe it's not yeah. yeah
0: i don't know i did want to just quickly acknowledge though that if you're non-monogamous there can be that feeling of of guilt or like no one's really going to like me because i want to be mm-hmm. non-monogamous depending how long you've been doing it especially if you're within your first few years, I think we still have a lot of that baggage, possibly even decades later, right? We have that Mm -hmm. cultural baggage of, I'm difficult to be with now because I want non-monogamy, which is not true. There's a bunch of people out there who are like, gosh, I would only date someone who's non-monogamous or please, I'm looking for that. So I did just want to bring that up and say, yeah, that makes this extra hard, right? When someone breaks up with us, those insecurities can come up in general, but that kind of, can add this extra level when it's like, oh, society's also telling you you're difficult to be with because you don't want monogamy. And this just seems like it's reinforcing that. So I just want to kind of say that out loud and also to say that that's not true. And there's a lot of people who are desperately looking for someone like you who does want non-monogamy. So just to remember that as well.
1: Shall we move on to the
0: next question? Sure, yeah. Our next question here is... Have you ever transitioned from a romantic and sexual relationship with a partner to a romantic but asexual relationship? What advice would you give to long term nesting partners who want to maintain a loving romantic relationship without sex?
1: The first person, people that I thought of was Jessica Daylover and her partner. Right. Mm -hmm. That
0: is something they've talked about in the second season of their podcast is how their marriage went from being sexual to not being sexual, Mm -hmm. but while still living together and raising their kids together. So that could be an interesting resource to check out if you haven't already. For sure. Yeah. But what do we think about this? I, I don't have the experience of doing this with someone I live with, but I have had several relationships that have done this transition from we originally started out in a sexual relationship and eventually that part we stopped doing um, or even even started as a more physically affectionate, even if it wasn't sexual per se, but then that part kind of fell off, but we still feel close to each other and connected to each other and want to have a good relationship. But without that, I'm trying to think of how to generalize that advice. Cause sometimes it's been easy and sometimes it's been really hard. <laughs> so it is, I'm trying to look at what are the patterns of the times that's been easier or harder. I think that communication is a big part of it that for some people feeling like sex is removed from a relationship can then get tied to those insecurities. Kind of like we were talking about with the last question Like it feels
1: like a failure.
0: Right. Like I'm failing somehow or I'm not Mm -hmm. desirable enough or that kind of stuff can definitely come up. However, like it's been years since I talked about this, but in one of the relationships where this happened, um, the term that we came up with it, just having a term for it kind of helped her feel better about it was Mm. um, taking friends with benefits. And we called it friends with a full benefits package. (laughs) Because it's like we were, you know, affectionate, would cuddle, would go on dates, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Um, But there wasn't like this physical sexual type intimacy, even though we would still cuddle and be close with each other and things like that. And so that just having a silly term for it kind Mm -hmm. of helped that to not feel like, oh, well, then this is nothing now because we still have those cultural ideas that. Yeah. If it's not this, then it's nothing, right? If it's not mm. full on romantic and sexual, then this is not a relationship and kind of getting away mm. from that.
2: Yeah. This question is, it's a little bit hard without knowing exactly the history and the reason why this transition is happening. Cause there can be all kinds of reasons. And I could see many, many different effects based on the reason, right? Like it's different if it's like, Oh, because of illness or just, straight up like the hydraulics of bodies not working, you know, like sex just isn't a thing in the relationship anymore, right? But maybe it's still very affectionate or flirtatious versus someone who feels like they've just completely fallen out of sexual attraction to Mm. their partner to, I mean, I've worked with some people where it's like, yeah, my partner has this very, very different sexual risk practices than I do and we can't reconcile it. And so like, I just, I I can't take the risk of having sex with them anymore. You know, like all kinds of reasons behind why people may make this particular transition. And I think each of those situations probably requires some, some different tactics and would probably bring up different feelings as well, especially if this is something that like one person really wants, the other person doesn't really want, right? Mm, You know, um, yeah. But I do think something that can help with us is talking about things on a meta level. You know, you can use a tool like the Relationship Anarchy Board that helps you really break down, okay, like, what are the parts of our relationship that are working really well and that we really like? Are there types of physical affection that we do really want and still want to enjoy in a non-sexual way. Are there different types of sexual activity that maybe just don't involve, you know, like is the issue about penetration? Is it about this? Is it about that? Right. You know, like there's so many different options out there, right? It's not always this black and white of like, there is sex happening in the relationship or there's not sex happening in the relationship. So I think that's what I would recommend for people who are trying to make this transition of, some kind is just be open to exploring all of the possible avenues and options and also be open to just understanding each other right you know without necessarily trying to troubleshoot or negotiate you know like really understanding where each person is coming from i think because sex can be a hugely charged topic whether you're the person who wants the relationship to be asexual or not Yeah, there's a lot of
1: intimacy that can still happen without sex being a part of it, I think, in relationships. And even cuddling, touching, understanding one another in a very intimate manner. All of those things can feel really close. And I've had relationships with people where sex for one reason or another didn't end up being the thing that we did uh often that was just mechanic wise or whatever and Mm -hmm. it ended up not being the thing that occurred but there was still a lot of great things that we got to do together and that we got to enjoy with one another and that was really wonderful And those relationships still meant a great deal to me and i think Just Yeah, that is so important to acknowledge and understand that we can have great relationships with people. And sex doesn't need to be the thing that pushes a relationship into one category or another. It can still be romantic, even without, you know, especially penetrative sex being a part of it. So, yeah, uh, kissing, cuddling... Mm -hmm. having a wonderful experience with that person, a deep conversation, all of that is really meaningful. So embrace it, you know, whatever it is that makes the two of you tick and be together.
0: I would say to go along with that, to think about what of those things makes your relationship so special. Sure. Because I think for a lot of people, the fact that I have sex with this person is what makes this relationship more Mm -hmm. special and that's, you know, culturally, we put Fine. all this importance on sex to, to think that. But I think that maybe why the friends with the full benefits package thing worked <laughs> out in that relationship was it was hinting at this is something special, that it's not, quote, just a friendship. And I know there's all sorts of baggage involved in the, the way yeah. that we label these things and think about them. But that doesn't mean they aren't part of how we think or how we feel. So maybe look at those things Emily was talking about. And really together collaborate on this is what's so cool and unique and special about our relationship and really leaning into that and enjoying that connection that you have to show yourselves and maybe everyone else in a way like this is why we're special. It doesn't just have to be because we have sex with each other. We have a couple more questions to get to here, but before we do that, we're going to take a quick break to talk about some ways you can support this show. If you value this information and you love getting this out there into the world for free, then taking a moment to check out our sponsors or to check out our Patreon really does help our show. And for these question and answer episodes, these are all taken from questions submitted by people in our Patreon groups on Discord and Facebook. So definitely go check those out if you're interested and check out our sponsors right now, because if you visit them, it does directly support our show. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters and what do i even say other than hey (sighs) well that's why they're introducing an all new bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier starting the chat better and dating safer they've changed so you don't have to download the new bumble now with the lucky
2: land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere
1: Let's continue on with more questions. Here's another one. What are some tips on handling friends and family who have traditional and moralistic ideas about sex and relationships and are shocked and scandalized by polyam norms? I was telling a friend about my wants and hopes about relationships specifically that I would like to have a nesting partner, but still keep separate bedrooms so that if one of us brought home a guest or another partner, we wouldn't have to worry about kicking someone out of their own bed. And she was scandalized. When I mentioned that I wasn't going out having hookups constantly, she tried to reassure me that she already understood that I'm not that sort of person. Ooh, there's Yikes. a lot of baggage there. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Jace, you had, maybe not exactly this happened, but uh, I think I did, jeez, when I first started For sure. being non-monogamous, when I had friends, a specific friends say to me, like, this just doesn't seem like you. This isn't the kind of person that you are. Mm. I know who you are, and this isn't who you are that kind of thing. It's like yeah. wait, what? What does that even mean? And why do we have such a I guess idea of what a good and a bad person is or like a mm. a scandalous and not scandalous person is? I don't know. It's yeah. It's really unfortunate and it, it's tough to have to go through um feeling like you're disappointing a friend or a family member because of the kind of relationship style that you're in.
0: For sure. And that you might have some of your own baggage going on about this, especially if this is new to you, of like your own kind of feelings of guilt or shame that can come up. And that's hard. I was going to say, you know, we could probably do a whole episode just on this topic. And then I checked real quick and we did actually, but it was a long time ago, episode 189. Whoa, Uh, way back. 2018 is when that one came out Uh, But was talking about that, about what do you do when friends or family members give you backlash about talking about non-monogamy. So maybe that's something we could revisit in the future. Uh, Yeah. But for now, yeah, yeah, let's, let's talk about this one a little bit,
2: man. I always come back to just, I think it comes down to how much energy you got in that particular moment for that particular conversation. (laughs) Mm, Right. That's a good point. The piece that's standing out to me is specifically the contrast of what seems very normal to polyamorous folks seeming very shocking and scandalizing. You know, so like this idea of like, oh, yeah, if we're able to, we can have separate bedrooms. Yeah, The idea Mm -hmm. that this doesn't seem terribly controversial, I think, in most non-monogamous spaces. Not that it's a standard practice or anything or something that everybody chooses to do or can do, but yeah, I think a lot of people would be like, oh yeah, that totally makes sense. And then to other people, not quite on the inside are like, oh my goodness. And so I think it's up to you to decide, do you want to sit down and give the TED talk on on like what what tends to be normative, quote unquote, normative practices Mm -hmm. for people in alternate Mm -hmm. relationships or values? Like, you know, you can, I don't think it's a bad thing. Like if you think that your friend is open, you can talk about that. Or do you want to just be like, yeah, well, this is what I want to do. So let's talk about something else now, you know, like, or do you just, yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, or do, do you want to open yourself up to having the debate? Do you feel like yourself and this friend or family member are able to have a friendly debate, able to have a disagreement of ideas that doesn't result in a ton of tension? Then maybe that's cool. Maybe you do want to, or maybe this is just going to be a fight that you don't want to have. Right. And you just kind of find a way to politely close the topic without, you know, feeling like you need to shrink yourself and apologize necessarily for like what you want. Right. I I think for me, it always comes down to the energy question.
1: I've said this before, and I'll say this again, time is a thing that matters when you are discussing. <laughs> that classic, Emily classic phrase, time is yeah. the thing that matters. No, is the thing that matters when you are discussing how you want to conduct and live your life. All I can say is that I have had conversations mm. with both my mother and one of my best friends about polyamory at one point, And they were like disappointed in me and not all about it. And then later on, like years down the road, they were like, wow, like I was in the wrong there. Mm. And I'm like, yes, yes, you <laughs> yes, were. Yeah. But you know, it's nice because they understood that finally. And they also realized, Hey, all is well, it's all good. And mm. I can still, have a great relationship with this person even if maybe you know for in in terms of my relationship with my friend like we didn't talk that much for a couple years Hmm. because of polyamory yeah and that sucked i was like best friends with this person and that was hard but it was kind of for the best because they had to get their head of their out of their ass
2: you know
0: (laughs) Yeah. Sure. So
1: allow allow yeah, for think,
2: that time if you yeah, can. Yeah. I think if someone, well, I don't know. I mean, ugh, doing anything out of the ordinary can trigger weird stuff for people, right? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, we've all yeah. had stuff kick off with friends and family members because the very idea of non monogamy brings up all our own stuff right that makes yeah. them really uncomfortable or well, it brings is my up my marriage fact not valid I, to you? you yeah like brings up their I'm own- talking about you she yeah, b- brings up their own values that they're projecting onto you about, oh, what that must mean about you, my friend, as a person, if you're doing, you know, like they got their own stuff, right? What do you think about me then? Yeah. yeah. And either y'all are able to have those conversations and it's fine, or they can't get over it and it's not fine, or they get over it eventually because they're actually your friend and love you, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Option C was what happened to me.
0: (laughs) It is worth noting, like Emily said, that it might take time. I know that for myself had, you know, kind of a similar, less extreme reaction from a close friend of mine that was more like, "Ah, like, why is this a thing that you need to talk about? Like, but what about commitment? Like you're, you're missing all these parts of relationships and it didn't cause us to not talk. We just didn't really talk about that very much. And it was kind of a weird, awkward part of our relationship for at also probably a couple of years. And then at one point he did apologize out of nowhere. Mm. I'd kind yeah, of, so, I wasn't yeah. even so worried about it, but he was like, Hey, you know, back early on, I, you know, I said some things and I'm sorry about that. Like I've, I've kind of learned more about it since then. And, you know, I am sorry. And I was just like, Oh yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. No, it's, uh, it's been a great story I've used on the podcast. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly right like
1: thank you for the podcast oh, I right. appreciate it
0: <laughs> totally i do want to take it back a little bit to the, the to the question here and, and looking back through the question and so it's about how do we handle these people it tips on handling friends and family who are scandalized and kind of freaked out by this and so i think The thing Dedeker said first is worth really considering for yourself of like, how much energy do you have at any given moment about how much do you want to get into it? That's definitely good to think about to take care of yourself. But then when it does come to how do you handle these people, my advice is to kind of to kind of feel out what are the parts that scandalize the most and what are the parts where they seem to have a glimmer of understanding, or at least Mm. can, can get why someone might want that even if they don't. And that could be something very small about just being less codependent. Maybe they're like, Oh, they've heard about that and they know, okay, that, that makes sense. I can get behind that is to look for those things and to talk about those and kind of, um, find, find areas where you do agree rather than kind of shoving in their face, all the stuff that freaks them out and scandalizes them. And while that does suck to feel like you have to hold some of yourself back or that you maybe can't talk as openly to this friend as you used to be able to for advice or your hopes and desires. One is hopefully it'll get better over time. But two is that you're not going to get anywhere by just trying to to force them to confront those things. Mm -hmm. And you're definitely not going to convince them with logic. Um, Just trying to kind of logic them through. If they're not ready to make that mental shift, that's not going to help. And it's actually probably going to make it worse. So I would advise you against trying to like convince them through, you know, well thought out uh, extemporaneous speeches or things (laughs) like that. Don't, don't do that. That's not going to get you very far, but maybe to just sort of gradually, talk about the things you do relate on and gradually maybe add in more things as it becomes more normal for them, then you could maybe experiment a little bit. And then the other part of it is find some other people to talk to that you Mm -hmm. can talk more openly about. So it's not like, Oh, now I can't talk to anyone because I can't talk to this friend and hopefully you'll get there. You may not. Hopefully you will. But to, to also realize, okay, I've got to find some other support networks and places where I can talk about this.
2: Yeah. Let's take it to our next question. How do you help someone identify what, quote, being in romantic love feels like when they're questioning if that is what they still feel or if they have fallen out of love in a relationship after NRE has faded? The narratives of, quote, you just know, and, quote, they become your world don't seem right. I see. Okay. That was worded a little bit strangely. So I I think how I'm understanding it is that, yes, I I know someone who is wondering, oh, am I still in love with this person? You know, and this is just because it's after the NRE has faded.
0: Yeah. Right. Or, or have they actually fallen out of love? And this could be one of those, like, I have a friend who's wondering, (laughs) this (laughs) could could be be. the question asker, or this could be a friend. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh Uh
2: Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Again, there's, This is difficult because we have just so many layers of social conditioning at play here. We have a lot of competing narratives about how love is supposed to feel or how it's supposed to go coming from all sides, from all ends of the spectrum, everything from, yes, it should just feel magical and it should just be easy Mm -hmm. and you should feel great. If not all the time, then most of the time in the relationship all the way to the opposite side of yeah, sure. It's great at first and then it's going to be a slog and just every relationship is going to feel like a slog. So just accept that and get over that, you know? And so I do, it it is hard. It is hard. I think to tell the difference there sometimes.
0: Some things to consider here is that when that NRE fades, yeah, there's less of that kind of intensity of how you're going to feel. Yeah. But I think something to look at is I guess just how excited do you feel still to be with this person and share your life with them? Cause it's possible that it's like, Hey, you know what? My excitement about this person has faded. And now that it's fading, I'm kind of realizing like I'm kind of meh on sharing my life and my time and my energy with this person. And so maybe it is like this relationship was great. And maybe it was a really cool sexual connection, but that's kind of all it was. And as that's fading, maybe this relationship needs to change shape and maybe it could be something where that's still part of it from time to time, or maybe not. On the other hand, it could be, okay, that's faded. And I have this idea that, um, you know, real love should just be so exciting. It should always feel good it doesn't, right? Like no relationship is ever good 100% of the time. Uh, And so maybe it is just that, okay, I have to change how I think about this relationship and what I value in this relationship, right? Of, Of the value doesn't come from the fact that I'm so giddy constantly all the time, but maybe the value comes from the fact that we have some deeper trust, that we have some you know, more in jokes and deeper communication we've developed over the course of our relationship. I think that's where I would, I would try to start looking is, is like, what is it that I'm feeling here? Is it that I'm like, I don't really even really want to spend my time on this. Or is it just, I'm worried because there's not a certain spark that I was told there would be always.
1: Yeah. To kind of build off of that, I, I would just like look and question the moments of intimacy that the two of you have together? What are the things that you share? What are the excitements that you have together? The fun activities that you get to do that are kind of intrinsic to the relationship that the two of you have built and what really is beneath the surface. Cause I think a lot of NRE is surface level Mm. as, as I don't want to, be mean, but like so much of it is just like I want you to fuck me and I want to <laughs> And I want to know, smell you have Yeah, I want to smell you, I want to have like the feeling of being around you because that's so cool, but that doesn't last. You're absolutely right. There has to be something deeper than that ultimately. And so I guess I would question those things. Are those things still present? And do you still have a meaningful desire to want to be around them in a way that still excites you and and makes you interested in what can be cultivated out of this relationship what can you learn about yourself and about them and the world around you like what is it that you two share Those i think are like i some
2: deeper questions I, I also wonder about is this a pattern that you've noticed, you know, mm. is this friend or if it's you actually, <laughs> you know, has this, has this been an ongoing thing of kind of doing that NRE hopping activity Interesting. of Interesting. dating Interesting. someone, and getting really into it. And then once the NRE fades in, it's like, oh, I guess they really weren't the one actually, I, I guess I'm falling mm. out of love and then hopping into another one. Cause I think that adds a whole other layer to the story, you know, assumptions about how a relationship is supposed to feel right? Or getting a sense of, you know, what are the markers of looking for more bonded love, right? When that chemical cocktail starts to shift in our brains away from that really, really intensive NRE feelings into the more like established, close knit kind of tight bonding feelings, you know? So I, I think that's a part of it too, is, is this about I've associated just like the high with being love. And if it's quiet and calm and stable, then I'm bored,
0: yeah, Maybe something to add into that too is to look at, just think about it in terms of if I spent the next 20 years with, you know, pick whatever number you want. It could even be one year, five years, whatever. If I spent mm-hmm. that much time where this was my relationship, do I still find that rewarding and valuable? And that also then leads to some of those other questions of, For example, if this is a monogamous relationship right now and you're thinking, well, gosh, I do value this relationship, but I miss that excitement or I feel like I still want other sexual variety in my life or something, maybe non-monogamy is something to think about and to discuss with this person Mm -hmm. and see if maybe that's something that you want in your life that maybe you do want that excitement and ability to have newness but that doesn't necessarily have to come at the cost of just ending this relationship and saying, Oh, I fell out of love in this relationship. Or on the other hand, you might look at that and say, you know what? Yeah, I do feel really fulfilled by this. Even if that sparkle is gone and maybe it is just coming to that realization that, Mm. the movie's all cut off after the NRE and they don't show you the rest. And so maybe it Mm -hmm. is just, Hey, yeah, this is what a good solid stable relationship feels like. You know, can you trust that person? Do you enjoy your time with that person? Do you feel cared for by that person? Do you like to care for that person? Right. These kinds of questions of, is that there? And is that satisfying? And that's what you want. Great. But if it's not maybe look at, non-monogamy or just reevaluate is this the kind of relationship we want or maybe we want this to be a different kind of relationship and i'm curious about the two of you if you've experienced anything kind of like that where you've came down on one side or the other when you've had that question come up
2: i think in recent years whenever i've noticed that shift oh gosh it's never really been like flipping a switch necessarily it's never really, yeah. you know, I've it, noticed fluctuations. Yeah, it's gradual. It also goes back and forth. You know, I think I've mm. I've had the great benefit of being able to have like several long-term relationships and I don't know, I, I find that in long-term relationships, sometimes it really does go back and forth, Where right? I go through periods of almost feeling like that NRE again for a partner and then Aww. going into mm-hmm. just kind of the more calm, stable, like less exciting parts. But I, I don't know. For me, it feels like a little bit more holistic that if I feel like I'm, oh, maybe I'm falling out of love with someone. It's it's not just about things don't feel exciting anymore. Usually there's other things at play as well. I have other complaints, you mm. know? Like if it's just, it feels kind of maybe a little bit boring. I don't know. That's usually not enough to me to sound off the alarm bells, but that's mm. just me. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I would have to agree with that. I think... I I give things time, like pretty ample time. So I can't say that I've ever like invested in a, an amount of NRE time where it feels like it's going well. And then just gotten just ended a relationship once it starts to feel a little bit more normalized, a little bit more like I understand the routine here that's going on. I still want to invest my energy into it because... I've given it that moment, and because it's worth it to me, I think, you know, sometimes that change, that shift can be a real turning point for a relationship, and sometimes when you stop having the facade of excitement, like, reality starts to set in, and a person's true colors show up, and then it doesn't become as good as it once was. And I can think of a specific relationship that Dedeker and I were both a part of that Mm -hmm. kind of ended in that manner, unfortunately. And that person ended up being not the person that I thought that they were at the beginning. And that ultimately didn't, work out but, yeah, but that's
2: also there's so many other issues right like that's what there's so many it wasn't, other it issues. wasn't just about yeah, like I, it settled into like a normal no, definitely routine not. it was like but no, i don't I lots of other problems
1: yeah and, and i don't know i mean maybe had the nre still been there it would have still happened the exact same way but i do wonder if that was a contributing factor at all i don't know Hmm. I don't know. It's just an, an interesting kind of confluence of events that
0: occurred at the same time. You did just get me thinking about some examples of kind of less extreme versions of that within mm. non-monogamy, where I found for myself, I've had many times, and I've talked about this before on the show, but many times where during that NRE phase, it's not so much that I you know, liked this person and once that wore off, realized I didn't like them. But it was more like during NRE, I kind of overcommitted myself to a relationship, you know, maybe spent way more time than I would eventually want to later on, or just got Mm. like really, um, I don't know, like, like emotionally intimate with this person, you know, doing a lot of things together, entwining our lives really quickly during that NRE. And then as that fades, having that difficult transition of, oh, gosh, it's not that I don't like this person, but I kind of want some of these pieces of myself back or some of these parts of my Mm. life and my schedule back.
2: And Mm. that's hard.
0: That's not always, that's not always a thing people let you take back without kind of causing some problems in that relationship. But it is making me think of that issue too, of maybe it's not about, I don't like this person, but just, Ooh, I've maybe overcommitted here. And that if this were someone that I saw once a month, maybe I'd still think this was great. Or, you know, Mm -hmm. once a week or, you know, whatever it is, I don't know your situation, but maybe in a slightly different circumstance, this could still be great. But I overcommitted by following that traditional trajectory of, oh, I have strong feelings. So therefore it's love. Therefore I should be entwining my relationship in this certain way. And now realizing, oof, okay, now I don't, now I kind of want some of that back.
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we covered a lot of ground today and we want to hear from y'all as well. So the question that is going to go up on our Instagram stories this week is how do you know if it's NRE fading or if it's actually falling out of love? Again, you can go check out our Instagram stories this week to answer that question. Also, the best place to share your thoughts on this episode with other listeners is in our episode discussion channel in our Discord server, or you can also post about it in our private Facebook group. You can get access to these groups and you can join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash Multiamory. In addition, you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Multiamory is created and produced by Jace Lindgren, Emily Matlack, and me, Dedeker Winston. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio Balvanetta. Our production assistants are Rachel Schenewerk and Carson Collins. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com.
0: On this episode of the multi podcast, we're back answering listener questions. If you have a question that you want to have us discuss on the show, you can submit your question in one of our monthly uh, question submission posts in our Facebook group and in our Discord, which you can get access to by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash multi Of course, we don't have the full context for all of these questions, so we do our best to just discuss these from our personal experiences, as well as the experiences that we've heard about from listeners and clients and things like that. Uh, But of course, with all of these, when applying them to your own life, you're the one who knows your life best. So take all of this with a grain of salt. Hopefully it gives you some things to think about to help you in your relationships. But we're not telling you the definitive thing that you should do.